Okay, guys, so I, I've been thinking about it more and actually it makes sense. Blockchain for medical records, blockchain for real estate, blockchain for supply chain. I mean, blockchain is really a movement. Yeah, I, I think, you know, forget about digital gold. What about physical gold, but on the blockchain? It's going to change the world like never before. Yeah, it's a movement. Definitely is. What do you think, Charlie? I, I don't know. <laughs> I have no thoughts about this. <laughs> He's so awestruck <laughs> that he's at a loss for words. You know, blockchain, but not Bitcoin. Yeah, everyone's using blockchain. Everyone, you know. Pick a company, they're using it. Dapps are the future. Dapps are going to change the future, yeah. It's already changed. It has changed already. Everyone's using Dapps. I mean, you just went to sleep one day, you woke up and boom, Dapps. Uber on the blockchain. Uber on the blockchain. Makes sense. Totally. Telegram, but on the blockchain watches on the blockchain so you can tell time, a timestamp yeah it's with timestamps it makes sense that's yep yep open timestamps but on the blockchain on the blockchain i think we should start the show okay and let's start the show It really isn't if everything is down 80, 90%. <laughs> the best thing to do is cut your losses. But that's that's when it's actually the best time to huddle. <laughs> then it makes sense to buy more. Anyway, um, with us we still have uh, Charlie Lee, apparently creator of Litecoin or something like that. Um, Samson Mao, who's going to uh, shill um, liquid and simplicity probably. Um, Ricardo, who was late today because he had technical issues. By 60 seconds. Uh, and he yeah, says his matter. computer had problems. <laughs> like, like we believe that. <laughs> and me, Whale Panda, um, on time as always. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Must be a Belgian thing. I'm actually never late. I always, when, when I need to be somewhere, I am, I'm always there like five to 10 minutes early. I don't know why it's like my OCD or something like that. That's because there's nothing That's to not do in Belgium because it's so cold and wintry. <laughs> and Podcat, because Podcat is now right in front of the camera. Um, so, uh, Ricardo, I think it's important to start with um, what you've been talking about so much on uh, Twitter and that basic attention token. You um, started a whole, well, a lot of drama about it um, with the creator uh, of uh, basic attention token, the guy from Mozilla. I don't remember his name. Brendan Eich. Brandon, Brendan, whatever his name is. So what do you want to tell us about BAT? What I found interesting is um, with a lot, and this, this is true for a lot of dApps, is that they are a lot more centralized than um, they purport to be. So as an example, with basic attention token, if you use the Brave browser, then uh, you can earn that by giving adverts or, or producers or whatever your attention. And so because you give it your attention, you earn that. That's the theory. And so I was having this, uh, this debate on Twitter, Twitter with uh, a, a bat shell and I said, okay, but that's going to be gained. At some point, you know, someone's going to figure out the heuristics and they're going to yeah, like write a bunch of bots that are going to be indistinguishable from real humans because they're going to be moving mice and clicking on things and typing things in and it's going to appear to be real browsing and they're going to airdrop these tokens onto them. And then someone came back and uh, pointed me to a um, tweet by Ike who had said that they're going to use proof of browsing to determine what is true and what isn't true. 
and, and what is a real human, what isn't. And it doesn't even matter because they can just claw it back um, if the, the person is trying to game the system. And I went and did some research. I was like, what clawback is this? And did a bunch of research and found out that they've got this clawback system where they airdrop a bunch of tokens to you. And so now you're like, yay, I'm rich because I've gone and browsed websites. And then when you try to withdraw it, they're like KYC AML and also proof of browsing. And if you fail these checks, they just take the money back from you. I mean, it's not, it's not yours yet because you haven't withdrawn it is their theory. But at the end of the day, that's no different from a database because, you know, they're controlling everything. They're controlling the, the influx of supply um, uh, into the market. They're controlling whether or not somebody um, legitimately earns BAT. And, you know, if you wanted to give your attention to advertisers um, or, or content producers, but do so privately, well, now you can't because you have to KYC in order to withdraw. And they, they, you know, they push a lot about how like, oh, they've got privacy stuff around that. But the reality is it's a centralized system. Um, they even admitted it's semi-centralized, which of course is, uh, is code for we could be using a database. <laughs> um, and, and I mean, I, I just, I look at stuff like this and I'm like, what's the point? Why do you have this decentralized token if you're then going to layer centralized nonsense on top of it? Yeah, I agree. Exactly. Yeah, but also, like, the, the name basic attention token, it should already be, like, red flags all over. Who, who calls something that? Um, but it actually surprised me that uh, Coinbase edited it. Well, not really surprised me. It, it was, like, on their shortlist for a while. But that surprised me. I mean, it doesn't make much sense, the, the token itself. Um, and uh, Coinbase now also only has it on the USDC market, their own, like, the stable coin. So, so you cannot even buy it with, with uh, Bitcoin on Coinbase. I have a theory that, that half the stuff is just going to be forked and redone as a lap anyway. Um, and, and then what? Well, you don't even need a token. You could just pay with Lightning. That is for tipping too, right? It's supposed to be if you like the content, you can tip them back. Well, the, the whole point for Bat was that they, they wanted to create money, right? So when you when you challenge him about why they need to create bat, his answer was, "Well, no one would give us free Bitcoin to give out to users." <laughs> <laughs> so, <laughs> which is so dumb. That 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 was his answer, right? So I mean, effectively, yeah. they just wanted to create money out of thin air so they can um, airdrop it onto their. But users. the whole thing is dumb because I, I mean, at the end of the day, if you're a content producer and you want to advertise, i.e., you want to buy attention from people then you already have options. You can buy adverts. And now all they needed to do was create a system where instead of that, that you can pay users directly to watch your stuff. I mean, they can still have proof of browsing and whatever they want. But I mean, it could be a Bitcoin transaction or a Lightning transaction between the content producer and the end user who's watching the stuff. You don't need to create another token and airdrop it. I mean, that's ridiculous. kind of like the, the same thing happens to all these companies that create tokens, right? They they want to have something that's useful and they want to create value out of nothing. So it's kind of, to them it's like win-win, but they don't realize they're just creating something that's useless, right? That's not much better than well, a database. You already have this whole system of a bat in like mobile apps and games, right? When you are playing a free-to-play game, they'll run an ad or let you choose to watch an app to earn the in-game currency. Which, so you already have it. It's stored in a database. <laughs> <laughs> yes so now they've kind of made it a token that is kind of even more useless because why do you want bat and and the worst what what frustrates me the most are the the, the bat apologists that sort of go um yeah but the thing is brave as a browser is really good and so we can accept the fact that this token is nonsensical or we can ignore it in our heads and justify it because the browser is good you know, creating a browser costs money. Well, the browser's not that good. I've tested it. It's yeah, kind of I'm not a big fan of it either. I switched back. Yeah, I tried it for a while. Um, I liked like the Tor, Tor tab integration and that. And then <laughs> I switched back as well. I'm just like, okay, I'm done. <laughs> I've used it a bit, but I decided... Like, once they started doing bad, I'm like, what's the point, right? So Then you were thinking, oh, scammers. Yeah, if, if, it, if they were using Litecoin, I would use it. <laughs> <laughs> 
I, I just think like the, the problem is this has become such a pervading attitude now. I mean, imagine if you were inventing Tor today. You, your mind would go to, towards like, how do I incentivize routing nodes and that sort of thing. And you'd create a pointless token for private browsing um, when Tor has worked just fine for, you know, what's it, well over a decade? It's not a bad idea, Ricardo. Let me go do it. No, it's a terrible <laughs> idea. It is a terrible idea. Where can I get some onion coins? <laughs> I'll sell you some. Okay, that, that's, we gave enough, enough attention to the attention token. We gave it some basic attention. <laughs> it was basic enough. You've been waiting to say that for a while now, right? <laughs> yeah, of course. Um, let, let's move on. So uh, since our last episode, um, the the split happened on Bcash. So now we have uh, BAB or BABC or BHC, BH, BCH, ABC, uh, BSV or BCH, BSV. It's a lot of different acronyms. Basically, it's ABC versus Satoshi's Vision. I thought your audio was stuck in a loop. No, I just got stuck with, with the letters. You know, English yeah, is difficult. Though. I thought Skype was crashing there. <laughs> I was having a seizure. <laughs> yeah. It's like ABC, ABC, ABC. Well, uh, so anyway, the split happened. And uh, even though um, Craig Wright was talking a big game, he achieved nothing. So surprised. Pretty disappointing. Very disappointing. He should have sold his hub lot. <laughs> Time out. I thought we weren't going to talk about Bcash anymore. People asking. We're not. We're talking about Bitcoin Satoshi's vision. Yeah. <laughs> they don't want to be Bitcoin Cash. They want no, to be so Bitcoin. Bitcoin Satoshi's vision is the real Bitcoin Cash, which is the real Bitcoin, obviously. I'm so confused right now. No, they gave it up. They gave up Bitcoin Cash. Yeah. So now they're both, they're both claiming to be Bitcoin. Everyone wants to be Bitcoin. Yes, correct. Is Babcoin the real Bitcoin? I'm so confused. Wait, Bab? Well, Bab is Bab is B C H A B C. So it's Babcoin. <laughs> yeah, it is Babcoin. We have the tick the cryptocurrency uh, data feed, so we had to deal with all those tickers, because like every exchange was doing something different. There was some people that automatically gave uh, A B C the B C H ticker, and then some that treated them as two different markets or coins. So we had to basically split the feed into three. So we have BAB, SV, and still BCH. But, but BCH doesn't, well, the, the old BCH doesn't exist anymore, right? Yeah, but then some people are still presenting the data, the ABC data as BCH. Correct. Well, I mean, for the most part, most exchanges have, have are now calling the ABC fork BCH, right? They've given It's about half-half, I think. So there's, there's three now. There's BCH... BAB and BSV. I think on, on Bitfinex it's BAB, on uh, Poloniex it's uh, BCH uh, ABC, and on, on most of the other that I trade it's uh, just BCH. But it's still very confusing. But an anyway, uh, so there yeah, were no this attacks, is, no... This is how you get mass adoption. But, but I, th I think we need, to we need to talk about the uh, central, how they actually centralized it more with um, the uh, checkpoints and uh, yeah. Well, they did checkpoints and then they did the um, the what reorg protection, right? Once you have once you've seen ten blocks, you, you're not allowed to reorg. It's like past a, a that. trailing um, checkpoint sort of thing. Yeah, Auto automated checkpoint basically. Yeah, it's a really dumb idea. It's a very dumb idea. It's so dumb that Zuko proposed it for Zcash last year. <laughs> That's how bad it is. But Zcash didn't do it, so... Um, no, I think they are doing it. They are doing it? I think they legit are doing it. If you check the, the um, GitHub issue, it looks like they're actually adding in um, a, a lock to prevent a rollback past a certain depth. See, the thing is, like, this is like the first thing people think of to, to fight a like, large reorg, right? I mean, it's not like Satoshi and Bitcoin people aren't dumb and didn't realize this is a, this is an option, right? And there's a reason why we didn't do it this way. There's a very good reason why yep. we didn't do it this way. So yep. it's not that we didn't think of it. This is like the, the first solution everyone thinks of, right? Why don't we just 
take the first scene and like don't let it rear past that but yeah so yeah. so to be clear um satoshi himself did did implement some checkpoints uh in the beginning yeah yeah checkpo checkpoints is, is okay right so like in, in the beginning if you're afraid of um just you want to be be sure right that everyone's on the same chain putting some checkpoints like we don't have checkpoints anymore but in the, in the beginning bitcoin and even litecoin had checkpoints and that's fine Minero still has checkpoints, um, hard-coded checkpoints up to a certain block height. You know, I, I mean, I, I don't think I don't think fundamentally there's an issue um, with that, especially when you're young. But I mean, it it needs to be done with a view to removing it. the 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 issue here is not checkpointing per se. It's um, it's more this whole like large reorg um, prevention thing, which is that's a dumb idea that no one should do. So, can you explain? For the uh, noobs um, who are like watching us right now, why it's a bad idea? Very short. I Ricardo, I know you do tell like very long stories, but sure. very short. Yeah, you have five minutes. <laughs> okay, so sure. So um, there are a great many number of reasons why you might end up on an incorrect chain, um, especially when you're syncing up, and uh, large rollbacks are inevitable. Um, there are also unpreventable situations like network partitioning. It could be that your ISP is, uh, is segregated or whatever. Your country might be segregated um, and you might end up building, you might end up on a chain that's built locally. Um, and when that network partition ends, then you need to be able to handle a large reorg. We didn't really explain why checkpoints are bad yet. Well, I, I wrote a, um, a few tweets about this a while, like last week. Um, basically, um, so Satoshi actually actually wrote about this. Now it says, it is strictly necessary that the longest chain is always considered a valid one. Nodes that were present may remember that one branch was there first and got replaced by another, but there would be no way for them to convince those who were not present of this. We can't have sub-factions of nodes that cling to one branch that they think was first, others that saw another branch first, and others that joined later and never saw what happened. The CPU power proof of work vote must have the final say. The only way for everyone to be stay on the same page is to believe that the longest chain is always a valid one, no matter what. So, basically, like, I think the whole the whole point of this decentralized consensus is based on this simple fact that anyone can spin up a node and know that they will be on the right chain, right? They don't have to trust anyone. But once you have like this um, check automated checkpoint in place, if you weren't present when the correct chain was decided then if you spin up a new node you might be led to the wrong chain according to this rule right and that's just then you have to trust someone to tell you what is the right chain and that defeats the whole purpose of blockchain in the first well, place the the main point is that when you're setting the checkpoints somebody is setting the checkpoints so then you don't need to have any proof of work all you need is one guy one guy generating blocks and saying this is it and then you don't need a blockchain. But, and, and that's what proof of stake, uh, many proof of stake currencies have done is have a centralized checkpointing system, which, you know, basically just breaks back down to a database. Yeah. And also, it, I think in the case of, um, of uh, I can't remember her name, BAB. <laughs> the case of BAB was they rolled out the upgrade with checkpoints and only a small percentage of their nodes upgraded. So now you have this segment of the network that has checkpoints and another segment without checkpoints. So that's just ripe for attacks. Someone can just break off half the network. Yeah, you, you can't force nodes to agree on a vision of the network or view of the network and, and a view of the, the chain. They, they have to come to an agreement. You're right, but some people do. <laughs> but then it's not really a blockchain anymore. <laughs> It's funny how they advertise themselves as Satoshi's vision or like that follows the white paper more, but then they do things like this, which is like totally the opposite direction of what where we should be going towards. No, you're confused. Um, so Satoshi's vision didn't implement the, the uh, checkpoints. It was BAB that implemented checkpoint. <laughs> <laughs> indeed, indeed. Satoshi's previous vision implemented a checkpoint. Yeah, exactly. His new vision didn't. Roger, Roger first, Satoshi's vision. Isn't that just Roger's vision? 
<laughs> Vision 2.0. Okay, I think we've given enough uh, attention to this uh, scam. Uh, so uh, let's move on. Um, the BitPay exploit. Can you talk a bit about that, Charlie? Someone was, um, their JavaScript wallet was using a library that someone um, hacked or put, put in some uh, exploit to actually try to steal from uh, BitPay's copay wallets. And luckily, before the wallet was pushed to production, the new code was pushed to production, someone caught it. And yeah, it's pretty, it was pretty scary, right? I don't think it was caught. The, it was in the wild. It was in the wild since September. No, it was in the wild, but they actually included it in several versions of their wallet. So if you use like any of the last, I don't know, couple versions, you had to not launch the wallet. You had to patch or up, update your app and then move your funds ASAP to a new wallet. Yeah, because it looks like the compromise happened already in September, right? But no one's funds actually were stolen, correct? Um, I haven't seen any reports of, of funds being stolen, sure, but that, that might be because the dude's collecting keys and waiting. I don't know, but I think it's, th there's also a threshold too, so it had to be over like one BTC for it to steal. Yeah, it's pretty scary because they were using a library that wasn't well maintained and then the maintainer gave access to the repo, of the repo to someone who just asked them for it. Right, someone who offered yeah. offered to maintain it for him, and he's like, "Fine, I don't care about this anymore. <laughs> I'll handle it. Don't worry. I'll make sure that all the downstream projects are well protected." Yes, and then this this hacker guy put in code malware right in the in the library, and because it's like a minor version upgrade, like people just it's just people are used to just upgrading minor versions automatically, and that's I guess that's what BitPay did. And then the, the code basically said if your wallet, if your repo had a description like a Bitcoin wallet or something like that, then it would try to steal the Bitcoins. So it's a very targeted attack and they, it almost, he almost managed to steal a lot of money. So pretty, pretty scary stuff. Yeah, but the, the worst part is there's a lot of forks too that I don't think have patched. At least when the news went out, they were still, they were still vulnerable. So, so there, are a lot of, there, are, there are a lot of altcoins that um, fork uh, Bitcoin tools. Um, like uh, Bitcoin J and LibBitcoin and all of that. And there are several uh, forks of uh, Copay that are that are out there that are definitely unpatched. Yeah, the Bitcoin.com website, well, it is also a fork of Copay. Wait, did you say Bitcoin.com or Bitcoin.com? Con, same thing. Con, okay. <laughs> oh yeah, for, for convention. <laughs> So it's a pretty scary stuff. It was actually a pretty smart attack from the guy. Then that's a conclusion. Well, it's not really a smart attack. If you're a good, good wallet or a good developer, you won't use these. You won't. You won't build all these dependencies in place. So honestly, I, I think if you're if you're a good wallet developer, you won't use Electron at all. Um, but uh, I've heard good arguments from the Lightning Labs team about why they think they can use Electron securely. I disagree, um, but yeah, at the very least, you need to be checking your um, upstream dependencies, big time. Yeah, we had a we had a, a web wallet for C Lightning, and I think uh, Shasek released it on his own. But we didn't want to release it as uh, Blockstream because we're worried, since there are a lot of dependencies there. Yeah. Yeah. So so I saw the guys from uh, BTC Pay server uh, talk about it, and they they said that, like they tried to. Like uh, limit themselves to as, as few dependencies as possible. Yeah, and if you're using dependencies, you have to check check them, right? Make sure everything's safe. You have to audit them, and once you've audited them, you don't just automatically like upgrade to the next version just without looking at it. So, yeah, a few. Yeah, and I think I think the other thing is like you can you know you can get by with using big mainstream dependencies that tons of projects rely on. Um, rather than some tiny dependency that almost no one's heard of. Yeah. It's hard to say but, though, because this instance was exactly that. It's a very widely used library and they're targeting a subset of their users, which is Bitcoin wallets. Yeah, that's, I mean, it, it, there's, no, there's no magical safety net, right? You've got to just put in the time and effort to, to making sure that the stuff you're using is as safe as possible. Yes, yeah. I mean, the BitPay, Copay wallet uses like 
has like 30 some plus dependencies and i think the this guy just probably attack just targeted all these 30 dependencies and try to see which one would fall for it right it's a kind of a social engineering attack and mm-hmm. I, I think that part of the problem though is this, the nature of javascript that um that np and, and npm really that um nested dependencies just tend to be like a thing and uh and and there are even circular dependencies and all sorts of stuff um it seems to be a lot more common with javascript and npm than it does with uh, something like c okay moving on because this got very boring very fast uh dependencies and stuff like that. yeah <laughs> super exciting there, there's more like you you're very boring yeah that was an interesting conversation you're a very boring panda but there, there's more to this too. Like there are a lot of other un- insecure platforms and wallets out there, like uh, web wallets, like blockchain info, that is also just waiting for a vulnerability to strike. It has already struck a few times, so. I, and I can tell you with my Monero, we have struggled to keep, keep it even remotely safe. People get fished all the time. It is, you know, this is beyond even just normal, like making sure that you, you your upstream stuff isn't getting nailed. Um, but phishing attacks and all sorts of stuff, web wallets are, man, they're almost impossible to secure. Yeah, my, my Monero is one of the worst wallets I've ever used. Whoever wrote that piece of crap. Yeah, it's, just... almost as, it's almost as bad as like every Litecoin wallet, you know. Oh, wait, you, you wrote it? <laughs> I actually thought that blockchain.info was like the most secure wallet. I mean, they do so much development it, it, they're already working like one and a half or two years on the um segwit integration i mean come on those guys have to be like so thorough to have to work like to work so long on a, on a simple integration <laughs> <laughs> anyway moving on so uh, the, the big news next uh, last week was that uh, the Office of Foreign Asset Control, OFAC, um, blacklisted two Bitcoin addresses uh, from uh, Iranian residents or Iranian citizens. I've always thought it funny. OFAC sounds a lot similar to another phrase. Oh, f- oh, fuck. That's why I, I started like with the full name of the agency. Adding two Bitcoin address, yeah, it's kind of, <laughs> yeah, it doesn't really matter that much, but it just makes like the, it makes exchanges so much, they will have so much work to do if you have like all these like thousands of Bitcoin addresses that they have to check every time someone sends a Bitcoin or someone ever, they receive some Bitcoins and they check like the history of all the, where the coin has been and make sure like none of it's the- It's a precedent as well, right? Yeah, and then make sure that none of the addresses are part of this OFAC list of addresses. That's going to be, like, so painful. Yeah, but most exchanges do that already anyways. Yeah, so they already have, like, a list of blacklisted addresses from Hex and stuff like that. So I don't see it as a big impact on exchanges. I see it more as, like, legitimizing Bitcoin. Yeah. Okay, but how about this? So think about this. Like, at, at the moment, if you... If your job as an exchange is to check that no funds that are being deposited are coming from those addresses and no funds that are being withdrawn are being withdrawn to those addresses, that's easy. But because of the nature of Bitcoin, um, it's very easy to move funds like, you know, from one address, pass it through 10 addresses and then go and deposit it. So the question is, how far back do you need to check now as an exchange? And it seems to me that this is just like all it's going to result in is some sort of magical number. Like, okay, guys, we only need to check 10 steps back or three steps back, which apparently I've been told is the magical number. Um, And people are then just going to wash the coins through more than 10 steps or more than three steps. Uh, This doesn't seem to be a a trivially solvable um, problem or an easy way to prevent anything from happening. It's also like coins moving forward right if i withdrew to an address and then like three steps later i deposit those coins to this terrorist's address then then what would it ban me because they saw that or do they have to keep track of where i move my coins like a year later yeah like exactly so you move it to an intermediary address and then you move it to the the band address and now what the exchange is supposed to be responsible for monitoring that yeah it's, it's gonna be it's a mess yeah it's just stupid to 
blacklist an address, it would be easier to blacklist like two atoms in the universe. <laughs> you shall not accept sand from this, these two sand particles. <laughs> from this Did seashore. you say atoms or atoms? Atoms. Atom, uh, yeah, okay. two atom bags. Because <laughs> <laughs> at least an atom actually exists, right? The wallet, you can just stop using, you can stop using that address. Okay, but, yeah. but something else, uh, so yeah, we, we talked about already on previous show that they check like three uh, addresses back, three hops back. Um, but another interesting thing is that they can do a dust attack. Like yeah. they can send uh, tiny amounts to other uh, addresses and do some sort of, of dust attack. And then every address is tainted uh, because it's coming from the blacklisted or the, yeah blacklisted address. Yeah, and obviously if, you, if you're if you using a wallet that gives you coin control, then it's easy to prevent um, you, know, you being affected by a dust attack. But let's be honest, how many people using Bitcoin are A, using wallets using that have coin control, B, are aware that a dust attack is even a thing, and C, are going to have the presence of mind to go and prevent all this stuff? About five people, four of us here, maybe one other person, <laughs> not, in, <laughs> not in this show. Maybe it's you, you who are watching. <laughs> Congrats on being a fantastically technical Bitcoin user. We actually have some, have some uh, s smart... Uh, People who actually watch our show. Atom back. Yeah. He's very smart. If you watch our show, you're smart. If you don't, you're not. <laughs> no, I was actually surprised. I, I think like people like Felix Weiss and stuff like, like uh, watching our show. So that's nice. You're surprised because? Yeah, no, because I, I, like, like, I, I thought their origins was like more like um, Charlie fans, Ricardo fans. Wow. Way to insult our audience. Sorry, guys, I apologize for Will Panda. You know, it's a Belgian thing. <laughs> That's racist. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, with Monero, there's confidential addresses, right? So this kind of blacklisting makes even more no sense. Wait, let me rephrase that. <laughs> more no sense. Less, less sense. But it's, I mean, the other thing is like, you know, with stuff like Monero, um, if, if people use or have a tainted address for them to move the funds um, through a decentralized exchange into Monero back out again. In fact, just move it into the decentralized exchange and out again. And you're golden. But decentralized exchanges are not necessarily decentralized exchanges, as we've learned. True. As we've learned. <laughs> Didn't you watch last episode? Yeah. Sorry, I wasn't concentrating last episode. I was playing a game. Yeah, you're on your yeah, phone. Yeah, we know. And you left early as well. Um, so, but actually, it, it, it's also interesting then if you do like a coin join of 100 uh, inputs and one of them is from a blacklisted address, then all uh, the other ones are tainted as well. So uh, I, I don't know how far they want to go with this. And that could be... Because at, at some point you can have like 50% of all the Bitcoin addresses are tainted. And then what? You, you can end up with a pool of tainted and a pool of, of not tainted addresses. Um, here's another thing. What happens if um, I pay a fee to a miner from a tainted address? Um, is the new Coinbase, a new Coinbase output now also tainted? That's a good question. This is like um, if the tree falls in the forest and there's no one around. Uh, yeah, that's sort of that, that thing. <laughs> in other words, you can you can like I mean there there are ways within the Bitcoin blockchain to to wash um, outputs, and I think it's just it's infeasible to for for them to say now like oh you know all Coinbase outputs are tainted because they received a fee. It's ridiculous. Well, likely likely it won't be the Coinbase out Coinbase won't be tainted, but then that means that being a miner or a pool, you can actually wash coins. You can launder money by yep. Exactly. By mining a transaction that pays fees or a lot a higher fee to yourself, yeah. I mean, you don't broadcast that transaction so no one else would mine it. The next time you find a block, you would just launder some money that way. And the and the the guy that needs his money laundered just pays you a fee out of band and uh, to thank you for your service, or you keep fifty percent or whatever it is. And uh, now this entire process of preventing whatever is pointless. It was pointless to begin with.
Okay, so there was a new research um, which was uh, posted last week about uh, from Conchair. Uh, Conchair. The research was on Bitcoin mining, and they came to the conclusion that around at least seventy-eight percent of the Bitcoin mining is done with renewables. I know we talked about uh, Bitcoin mining and uh, boiling oceans in the past, but anyway, this was a sort of very interesting and first thorough research um does it surprise you that 78 percent uh renewables i'm actually surprised it's not higher I, I think i've told you guys like or told our viewers on a previous episode that most bitcoin mining is powered by renewables i thought it would be higher than that but it, it depends on the study i guess yeah so the 78 percent is like the minimum they said so it could be yeah. higher okay i didn't I, I didn't read the study but Renewables are the cheapest uh, form of power, so hydro is probably the cheapest. It, it makes sense that mining would use hydro or any renewable. If, if you think about it, um, so if you have that much renewable energy and um, Bitcoin is actually improving the infrastructure of it all, then if you're anti-Bitcoin or like pro-proof of stake, you're actually anti-renewables. It's not just about renewables. The thing is that miners seek out power, like cheap power. And it can also be power that's been isolated. Like you might have a gas field somewhere that's not really well accessed, accessed or you might have some hydro dam somewhere that's, uh, that used to power some plant. And now it's, it's offline and there's power there already. And they just go there and they'll use it. So it's not just about renewables. They'll go and find power that would otherwise just be wasted. Of course, the question is how, uh, if you're actually gonna, like, if you know that there's like an excess of an energy for a couple of hours per day, is it, are you going to put miners there? Because then you can only mine a couple of hours per day. Well, usually it's not, you're, you're not looking for excess that's available a couple of hours a day. You're looking for a constant source of excess power that is untapped or not used. That would go to waste if you don't use it. Yeah, there are actually like miners in, in Sichuan, China, that will start mining with hydro when there's abundant water. So like uh, in the rainy season and then when it's uh, winter and it's dry, they'll actually move all their miners to wind farms like in uh, in Tibet and start mining with wind power. So they're like migratory miners. They'll move where there is power. Well, I mean, if you've got those, if you've got the mining setups that are in containers, it's actually not even that infeasible to, to just um, dump, put the container on trucks and move it from one place to another, it's, you know, every six months. Yeah, but in China, you don't really need to worry about that. You just have manpower, pull out the individual miners and rack them up in trucks. It's true. Yeah. <clears throat> so moving on, I guess now it's time for Samsung to show. Wait, wait. Yeah, what? There's one, one more. I, I saw something funny today. It's like a XRP community thing. And they're saying you send two XRP and they'll plant a tree to offset all the Bitcoin mining. <laughs> really? <laughs> what? Oh. That is the stupidest thing I've ever heard. Come on, guys. It's you, awesome. You send them two, two XRP and they will pay for, they'll pay for a tree? A tree. Yeah. Two XRP. Ugh. Is that like a dollar? One XRP is at the moment 36 cents. That's the first good use case of XRP. <laughs> 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 it's time for me to go buy some XRP so I can send it to them. So they can plant trees for me. Actually, pretty cheap trees. <laughs> it is cheap. <laughs> Normally, it's a few dollars or $10. It's, not a, it's just a seed. They're planting a seed. Yeah, e sapling. even then, right? Uh, yeah. yeah, no, no, for seeds, no, no. What about, That's... but I mean, I want to see proof of tree. Followed by proof of burn. <laughs> wow, that was dark. That got really dark really quickly. This is what the t people complaining about toxic Bitcoiners are referring to. It's you. Yeah, you're not even allowed to make a joke anymore. It's sad. <laughs> Actually, I, 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 no I noticed that like, the more followers you have on Twitter, the less jokes you can make because everyone takes like something very silly, very serious and very fast. Yeah, Ch Charlie's, Charlie hasn't made jokes on Twitter in like a year. More like a few months, but yeah. <laughs> well, whenever Charlie makes a joke, he gets smashed by, the, by his followers. Yeah. It, it's sad. I mean, Charlie can be a funny guy from time to time, so. Well, I, you know, we wouldn't know because he's, he can't make jokes on Twitter anymore.
No, but we know in private, like he's he's like the he makes the rudest jokes of all of all of us. No one knows, but some of them are very embarrassing, like really dark humor. You guys aren't funny. <laughs> no comment. <laughs> no wonder why you think I'm funny. You guys are just you got really boring really fast. <laughs> no, but it's annoying that you that we have to look like. Even I have to censor myself on Twitter to not just post what I want to post all the time. Oh yeah, me too. Well, I mean, you can post it. It's just that like a lot of your followers will not find it funny, or they just like a lot of times like you see people posting memes about like the Superman with the joke flying over his head, right? It's like a lot of people just don't get the jokes on Twitter because it's it's not um, it's hard to read someone's like expression, right? So sometimes I. I find I find that a lot of people will say something sarcastic and then they'll always be like a quarter of the comments will will think that they're being serious. Yeah. Yeah. So you have to be you have to be really sarcastic and then people will get it, but sometimes when you're really sarcastic, like people like get mad, right? They're like Moving oh, on. You're such an idiot. <laughs> like Well that's why you do the slash S. <laughs> slash S. Slash S. Yeah, but then, then you do then you do the slash S and then people are like why did you do the slash S? It's obviously sarcastic. <laughs> no, but once you start doing slash S, it becomes lame, right? If you have to, like, hit it over their head with it, then it's... What's the point? Can't keep everyone happy. Exactly. Ah, life of a Twitter celebrity. <laughs> <laughs> the life of the Twitterati. It's hard. It's hard. So hard. <laughs> Hashtag first world problems. <laughs> <laughs> Moving on. Samsung. Simplicity. Yeah. What do you know about What's it? What's going on? Magical Samsung show. It's very simple. <laughs> Blockstream sent me like a, a big check. Uh, so just as I can say, Samsung, simplicity. And then you would start talking. Yes. That's in the notes. Didn't you get to receive the, the notes? So simplicity is a smart contracting language for blockchains. It's written in Coq, C-O-Q. And it's meant to be a superior language that lets you do static analysis. So you can determine how much. Um, uh, one of my friends, Kale, um, would like to know if cock is very hard. It is. It's super hard. <laughs> so. I'm sorry. I tried. I try to hold it back for as long as possible. <laughs> yeah, you did good. So the, one of the problems with smart contracting languages like uh, Ethereum is that you don't know how much a smart contract costs when you write it or you need to execute it first. But with simplicity, you can do static analysis, which lets you find out how much it will cost beforehand. And it also lets you do a lot of cool stuff like have smart contracts that actually work. Because right now for like Ethereum, you can write a complex smart contract and usually it doesn't work or it's insecure or you have to spend a lot of money paying people to audit that smart contract which is usually just to do something really simple like issue a token so simplicity will let you do real smart contracts on the blockchain it's compatible with elements so that means it'll be running on liquid probably first in a production environment so you can do cool stuff like vaults uh, more complex smart contracts and stuff that Bitcoin script can't do. So basically, it's like Solidity. If Solidity worked. But simpler. That's why it's called Simplicity. Yes. So what's the plan? Is the plan that this is something that Bitcoin may eventually want, like, be interested in having also? Or is this something that more targeted towards... Um, elements or do you actually target this towards like ethereum well a lot of stuff in elements uh does make its way into bitcoin eventually but that's something for bitcoin uh devs to decide but i think it's still early and it, it makes sense that we can test it uh with elements first and then deploy it to liquid first and then if, he, if it's something people want then maybe it'll make its way into bitcoin sometime sounds cool it is does it need a uh hard fork uh I'm not sure. I think it does, right? You're replacing, yeah, I mean, you're replacing the script. script language or something else, right? So it would seem so. Yeah. Unless you can do some segwit like hack to make it work. But. 
Don't call the hack. Don't call the hack. <laughs> yeah. Well, the the soft working segment is is sort of a hack, right? It's a very smart hack. I mean, but still, it, a... it's a roundabout way. Yeah. Who knows? Maybe Luke can figure out how to do it with soft work. Simplicity with soft work. Using extension blocks, right? <laughs> you can do anything with extension <laughs> blocks. Increase the money supply. You can. Mm-hmm. Yep. Nothing is safe from a soft fork. Yeah. Nothing is safe. For, nothing is safe from Luke. <laughs> <laughs> well, actually, you could have uh, simplicity in Litecoin first. Where do you have it? Do a hard fork, Charlie. <laughs> <laughs> Surprise. Sweet. Okay, moving on to uh, questions because we've like it is. This is a very long show, area, actually. Um, I'm gonna, not gonna do all the questions, but the most important one: When will Monero flip uh, Bitcoin Satoshi's vision? <laughs> I, don't, I don't know. Ask Tone Vase. I don't do technical analysis. It's what is it? Okay. One one billion um, versus one point six billion. So pretty soon. Um, no, actually, an interesting one um, is um, if we can talk about the um, issues with lightning r- routing um, in a very simple way. So apparently Craig Wright, of course Craig Wright, made some comments about uh, issues with lightning routing. And uh, the person, one of our fans, asked if there is any validity to that. Well, he, Craig Wright also said he's going to announce it at the end of 2019. So we have to wait. A yeah. year before we find out what is what what he knows. No, but are are there any routing issues with Lightning at the moment? No. Okay. Don't listen to anything Craig Wright says. He's just a fraud. People are still working on it, right? There's yeah, there's different ways to do routing. So. Yeah, that that was my yeah. point. Yeah. And I mean, as you guys saw in the in our short that Samson released last week. Um, <laughs> Okay, now now you put a deadline on it. Now, that's good. That's good, Ricardo. Yeah. <laughs> oh, by the way, I just checked. Uh, there's this new site called Coin Market Book. I don't know if it's new, but it's like newish. Uh, CoinMarketBook.cc, and Monero has already flippened Bcash. It's number twelve. So this is the any a- .cc site is like really legit, <laughs> really. Well. This is actually better than uh, looking at market cap because market cap is kind of bullshit. This is actually <clears throat> ranked by buy support. So, so they take all the at exchanges least is looking... like buy, yeah. um, how much yeah. money is on the buy side and it all together yeah. and rank yeah. that. So it makes more sense. It makes more sense. Like it's a much more sane look other than just multiplying supply with price. Yeah. Yeah, because especially with uh, coins like uh, BSV, you don't know how many talk or how many coins are actually going to be um, used because you still have some locked up in old bitcoins. You still have like the supply is very small compared to any other coin that's mined. But and and EOS is higher up than um, than Ripple. That's that's going to make some XRP fans very upset. Actually, did, did you see that uh, Jackson? Uh, Jack and Palmer create a script to block all XRP trolls. <laughs> and they started reporting it. And they started reporting him. Yeah. It's actually it's actually a pretty fun script, right? It basically blocks anyone that has XRP in their Twitter profile or Twitter name. <laughs> right? So I mean yeah, a lot all these a lot of these like Twitter Twitter um, profiles with XRP in their description or in the name or just just XRP. They're bots. Yeah, yeah, they're bots or yeah. they're I mean the stuff they post is just all about XRP the standard and just it's it's really annoying. So, yeah. Yeah. The be- the best one was uh, XRP predates Bitcoin. Oh yeah, Tiffany was on uh, was going on that. Well, Rip- so Ripple predates XRP... Bitcoin. Ripple the, the yeah. <laughs> yeah yeah, but not XRP. It's 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 the same thing, no? I'm still confused. It's the same thing, <laughs> but if you think about it, it's actually it, it's true. Centralized tokens from one issuer have always existed. No, but, but but basically she was implying that Satoshi created Ripple. Or Ripple created... No, yeah, Ripple was part of Satoshi and Satoshi created Rip, created Bitcoin then to work with Ripple or something like that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it, it's, Tif- yeah. it's Tiffany Hayden, come on. I mean, no one takes yeah. her serious. 
XRP the standard. Uh, uh, That's all I have to say. <laughs> yeah. XRP the scam toad. Okay, they, they're gonna cut. They're gonna cut that out and use it, Charlie. They're gonna cut that, that part out and say I, I support XRP. That's fine. Yeah. Yeah. I do. I do. I, do su I support XRP. Okay, uh, and actually an interesting question is, is how to re rewire the brain of a no-coiner. So how, you how do you convince a no-coiner into like using Bitcoin or like seeing the value proposition in Bitcoin or any other cryptocurrency? Why? What's your tactic? Why bother? I usually talk about inflation. I would just go tell them to do a large international bank transfer. Right, but in Europe, that's not really the case because everything... Oh, because of SIPA. Yeah, exactly. So everything for me is free anyway. Yeah, SIPA and I think TransferWise as well. TransferWise has made um, international transfers a lot easier. Um, it, it, where, where Bitcoin is really powerful for international transfers aren't large transfers, it's small transfers. It's, it's remittance back home for the, the worker that's on an oil rig or whatever, you know, that's sending a, maybe a couple of thousand dollars. Um, and, and those are the guys where it's been useful. That in like Venezuela and Zimbabwe. When, you're, when your national currency just tanks and bottoms out and it, uh, I mean, there was a point in, in the, the Zimbabwe financial crash where it was uh, cheaper to use the notes, the bank notes as toilet paper than it was to take them and buy toilet paper. Except it's not as comfortable. <laughs> If you rub it together, then it actually gets kind of soft. You just got to wet it first. Is this from personal experience? <laughs> <laughs> no, it is not. Canadian money is plastic, so you couldn't do it. So it's even worth less than toilet paper. I don't know. <laughs> what could you do with plastic paper? Wow, Canadian money harms the environment. We should complain about that. Send me some money and I'll plant trees. <laughs> And then burn them. <laughs> okay, so, no, okay, so how do you convince a no-coiner into seeing the value of Bitcoin? Well, it depends. Is the no-coiner no someone who hasn't been introduced to cryptocurrency yet? Or is it someone who actually heard about it and actually think it's a scam, right? That's a, there's a difference, right? If, if it's someone that heard about it and thinks it's a scam, I just don't bother, right? They've made up their mind. It's really hard to convince them. It will just time will, time will convince them when it takes like years, right? So if, but if it's something new, then you just send them some coins and let them play around with it. Okay, actually, let's go back and revisit def the definition. What is a no-coiner? Some, someone who doesn't have any crypto for me. I don't think that's a no-coiner. That's just a normal, like, new. Yeah, right. So there's, people have different definitions of it, right? So, yeah, a no-coiner is someone that hates crypto and thinks it's a scam. That's what I think a no-coiner is. And they insist on not not having any. So by that definition, Charlie, then how would you convince them? I wouldn't. I let them be. It's it's kind of like Yeah, it's um Darwinism. <laughs> <laughs> you can't save them. How about you, Will Panda? I guess uh... I never really had that much experience with... I talked to a lot of people who were not introduced to Bitcoin yet, so that that's easier to convince, but I don't have that much experience with someone who, like, really against Bitcoin. Um, so I, I probably wouldn't bother. I would just laugh and say, yeah, well, but it made me money. I've actually seen a lot of people, um, speaking of against Bitcoin, I've seen a lot of people on Twitter that are against, that think Bitcoin is, like, just it's not going to go anywhere but some altcoins is going to be like the next big thing have you guys seen that like people like bitcoin is like for it's like it's it's past the time right bitcoin is already old news but that's been going that's been going on for like the last five six years i mean it's not it's nothing new every new crypto project thinks it's better than than bitcoin because everyone wants to find the next big thing of course a lot of people, a lot of people ping me and say, "What do you think of this thing?" I've never heard of it. I just said it's probably crap. I mean, Dentacoin will obviously overtake Bitcoin. Is that for dentists? Yes. <laughs> There's so many dentists out there. They need their own currency. I thought it's for dents in your car. Like you'll pay the mechanic to fix a dent. You can use it either for dents or you can use it for dentists. 
Wow. It's a double-use coin. Multifunctional. Yeah. Much utility. So, Ricardo, how, how, do you, how do you rewire the brain of a no-coiner? Or you also don't bother? Um, yeah, I, I largely don't bother. The reason being that I think that unless someone has been in a situation where they've had a transaction rejected or they've been a merchant that's had their credit card processing facility blocked, there's no real frame of reference. And so they can't actually understand why they'd ever want an unstoppable transaction. Um, so, uh, next question. Um, how do you spend crypto without exposing your total balance? What wallets are best to use? That's actually an inter interesting question. Because if you it's a perfect question for Ricardo. <laughs> Why would anyone need privacy? I mean, I like, I like paying the cashier at the supermarket and she knows my balance. You know, then you could be like... I have a large balance. <laughs> I also use cock as a programming language. Um, but but seriously, I think um, uh, it depends on your on your your threat model and so on. But uh, one of the, the ways that I like, um, and I'm a little biased here, is to use uh, Monero as uh, a store of value, not for a lot of money, but for money that you want to spend. And then when you need to spend it, if the merchant only accepts Bitcoin. You can use a service like XMR.to to pay the merchant in Bitcoin. Does that work well, XMR.to? XMR.to works extremely well. Um, the other thing that's really nice about them is they support uh, BitPay's stupid, whatever it is, BIP71 thing. 71, so, yeah. Yeah, so you can, uh, you can, on a BitPay screen, you can copy the URL mm -hmm. and paste it into XMR.to and they will go and figure out um, what the actual address is, make the payment, and notify. Uh, it does zero conf for for XMR transactions. Um, it does zero conf for under a certain value. I can't remember what the value is, but f even for large value transactions up to whatever the limit is, which I think is twenty Bitcoin, um, they only require a handful of confirmations. So it's pretty quick, um, and uh, they they purposely do that so that they're under the time window if you're making a payment. 20 BTC, that's quite a lot. It's almost like a Lambo yeah. size. Not today. Well, it used to be. It used to be almost like a Lambo. It used to be a Lambo. Yeah. Now it's more like... Um, that's a Fiat. You know, it's like a Fiat. <laughs> it's the Fiat equivalent of a Fiat. <laughs> XMR.to is not, is not trustless though, right? You have to trust them? No, not, it's not decentralized. Um, it is a, it's a comp, it's counterparty service um, where you have to trust them not to steal your money. Uh, but they've been around for many years. Um, they provide a very simple, very specific service. They yeah. do not let you trade your bat into Bitcoin. It's a one-way Monero to Bitcoin. Hmm. I think the if you're not using Monero because it's a scam, the next best thing you can do is to use a wallet with a coin selection. So Samurai and Wasabi, I guess. Are good choices. I think there's a few more that do coin selection. Electrum has uh, coin selection too, I think. Yeah, Electrum has coin does, selection. Does like Bitcoin Core do that also? Yeah. <laughs> they do now, yeah. They didn't for a while, but they have, they added that, I think, last but year. Bitcoin Core, Bitcoin Core is a coin. It's not a software implementation. Oh, okay. No, 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 no. You're talking about Bitcoin Core coin. Yes. yes. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> BTCC. <laughs> Yeah. Which is the original no, I'm talking about Bitcoin Core parentheses BTC. So if you're using a wallet that lets you do coin selection, what you can do is split your coins up into several UTXOs and just manage them and make sure that uh, yeah, you keep everything nicely split. Yeah, so, so it, it's an interesting question, but I, I don't think a lot of people, especially like the um, less advanced users, will ever like have an issue with it. But it's a good question. Thank you for the question. But that's, I think that brings about the the point that we actually need more fungibility in Bitcoin, right? Like people can't, you can't expect people to play around with UTXOs to decide which outputs to spend. It's like opening your wallet and deciding which of your $20 bills to pay the supermarket clerk in case one of them link, like has your whole like, <laughs> like transaction history is linked to it, right? It's kind of, it's something that we'll eventually have to have to tackle. Yeah. We need to put the fun back in fungibility. <laughs> Another way to do it is to use Lightning, because once you've opened the channel, then you have pretty good privacy. 
when you're spending with Lightning. That's true. Lightning definitely gives yep. us more privacy. Yeah. Yep. If it works and it's not a scam. Which, according to Craig Wright. He'll tell us in a year. Yeah. So uh, one last question. Um, what's your strategy to determine what matters and what's just noise? Perhaps more importantly, how do you separate FUD from FACT? A lot of times, fact, FUD is like facts you what's dislike. What's um, FUD? Fear, uncertainty, doubt. Oh, FUD. FUD, yes. So the way you determine what matters is you watch Magical Crypto. Exactly. Then you know everything we talk about is FUD. <laughs> anyway, so um, how do you separate fact, FUD from FACT? One is spelled F-U-D, one is spelled F-A-C-T. Yeah. Well, but no, but, but actually it's like, now you see like a text from the mainstream media, like everything uh, rehashed from the entire year, sometimes like rehashed stories from uh, January, um, which is just plain FUD. The, the problem is you, it's, it's really hard, right? That's why like fake news works, right? So like if you have, if you, someone talks about something that's not real, it just propagates and it's really hard to dispel. Yeah. So I think a lot of a lot of FUD has some fact. It's based on some some sort of fact. And then there's just 90% of it is FUD and 10% fact. And it's just hard to figure out what's real and what's not. I don't, it's hard. It's hard. That's true. Yeah. I, I also think that there's a, uh, the, the other problem is if you're not a technical, per, a deeply technical person who's like heavily involved in the space, there's it's it's impossible for you to tell like what's true what's real what is nonsense so you kind of have to go okay um i'm gonna believe in in what smart people tell me or what smart people on twitter say um but it's very easy for people to pretend to be smart on twitter um and and for them to convincingly appear to be smart um and in reality they're you know they're just showing their own bags. I mean, let, let's be honest, everyone's at least to some degree going to show their own bags, but it's, I, I feel that, uh, that there's not a lot of attention given to pragmatism and people who can pragmatically say, look, I have a bag holding of X, but yes, um, the, the failings of X or yeah, the limitations of X instead of just going, Oh, X will solve the world's problems. Yeah. I think the, Easiest way is just try not to worry about too many things. Find out what matters to you, the projects that matter to you, and just follow those. Like, there's always news because everyone, well, not, not so much anymore, but everyone was crazy about blockchain. Everyone was chilling a project. Everyone was doing an ICO. Well, not everyone, but a lot of people were. And Well, starting a fund. You know, starting a, starting a fund is that the, the, the 20, 2018 ICO. A lot of this stuff just really does not matter in this space. Like, I think for me, I just pay attention to what happens with Bitcoin and that's enough. And then if there's funny stuff, I'll look at it and laugh. But it's not like I, I try to keep up with everything. I think unless you unless you are deeply technical, you can largely ignore um, a, a lot of projects as merely either being experiments or as being um, cool research and, and just leave it at that. Yeah. Yeah, so someone came out to my door and they delivered treasures. So yeah, how do you know? Huh? How do you know they're not hacked or tampered with? They're still sealed. Uh, I will. Do you know how you know how cheap that seal yeah. is? That you can vacuum yeah. re reseal anything. You read about the the treasure fakes, right? It's it's the one to one fakes. Well, yeah, but yeah. Uh, I ordered them from the treasure website first of all. Uh, myself and uh they also what they want i i ordered them with uh, black friday so it's not from like amazon or something it's like the official website first of yeah, all yeah but dude like you're a train trip away from them you could just go to there in person and get them probably safer with your like 10 million 100 million dollars worth of bitcoin it's probably safer that way yeah <laughs> but i'm gonna split them over all three of them so it's multi-sig <laughs> Oh, they just had a good, a good Black Friday deal. Tell us where you're gonna put your treasure. There, behind, behind the painting, there's like a secret uh, safe. Nice. And 
I'm not gonna show it not right now, obviously. Obviously. Yeah, obviously. And of course, I, I'm gonna take the the uh, the the, the, the seeds and I'm gonna bury them in a lockbox in a metal box in the woods somewhere. That's the safest place. I mean, Smart. if the house burns down, even the safe should be fine. Uh, you, you never you know. You should scramble them and post it online. <laughs> no one will be able to figure it out. <laughs> so, how are you doing the multi-sig with three treasures? I uh, I, I have no idea. <laughs> I, I, I need to, I, it, it's possible, but I need to read about it. And that's actually not the point. I'm just probably going to give them away to uh, some people. You can look into um, Casa Hado's, um way of doing it. Yeah, so from James yeah. Lop, uh, they, they're doing multi-sig with Ledger and Trezor and something else, I think. Yeah. Actually, talking about Casa, I, I ordered a Lightning Note. Yeah, I actually have one right there. Okay. That's yeah, pretty cool. Wow. Oh yeah, we can see it. You can't see it. <laughs> I can show you if you want, but I have to unplug it. <laughs> it's just a it's just a white box with. Yeah, don't unplug it. It'll bring down the network. Yeah. <laughs> Did you guys order a Blockstream Metal? Oh, oh not that again. Blockstream Metal? No, Billfold. <laughs> Blockstream Metal is is made by Billfold, right? Fold, yeah. 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 It's the same. It's the same product. It just has Blockstream on it. Yeah, I'm also gonna do a rebranded one. I'm gonna call it like Fluffy Hoddle. Your treasure is here. No, you... <laughs> My treasure's arrived. <laughs> okay, um, I guess that's the end of the show. Charlie's already gone. My camera is almost done. It's a sign. It's a sign. So that's the end of the show. Bye. Bye. <laughs> Speaking of watches, <laughs> Ricardo, where's your? Did you buy the the Hublot block watch? <laughs> or is it, wait, is, it's pronounced Hublot? Is that how it's pronounced? It's pronounced Hublot. Okay, let's stop the so show. How, because, how much? No, how no, much Charlie. No. Is your are your watches going to be able to afford? Um. Yeah. You know. I mean, like, all I have to do is sell this watch right here, and boom. I can buy all the hash rate in the world. Oh wait, Ricardo is watchless today. What's going on? <laughs> yeah, it's that one. It's the one from Consensus. Oh. I, but you, you're wearing it on, on the wrong wrist. Oh my god. He's mocking everyone. <laughs>